WOLB Baltimore and WERQ FM HD3 Baltimore. The views and opinions of the guest and host you hear on 1010 WOLB are not necessarily those of the staff and management of Radio One, its sponsors, or advertisers. You know how Donnie is. Donnie be working you. He be working you. But he woke up last night and said, look, I can't make it because I got something else to do. I think he's doing jury duty. So, you know, I kind of worry about that room because he's I know he's going to be in there stirring the pot. But we're stirring the pot out here at W.O.L.B. 1010. And we're talking about the Black Engineer of the Year Awards Conference hashtag Baya 2020 and it is off the hook let me tell you mama daddy and it's larry young senator says lottie Dottie, and everybody you need to go over there the black engineer you want to go to baya.org you want to go over there you want to register online to go to the career fair, amazing people, companies are there to hire people who look like us in science, technology, engineering, and math. It's the largest collection of African-American executives, generals, admirals, college students, middle school students. I want you to bring everybody over there. Our future lies in STEM, quit playing. Our future lies in STEM. You can go to school for five minutes, learn coding, and walk out making $30,000, $40,000. Oh, he's ringing the bell. Must have said something good. But we have some people on the line that we want to bring in, and we have somebody here in the studio, Charles Johnson Bay from Lockheed Martin, Dr. Charles Johnson Bay from Lockheed Martin. How you doing? I'm doing great, Marsha. How you doing today? I am great. This doctor, he's so fabulous, is actually from Baltimore's own. So let's give him a round of applause because he's now running major systems. Why don't you just talk about who you are and what you've been doing? So, thanks, Marcia. So, um, so I'm Dr. Charles Johnson Bay. I am from Baltimore, East Baltimore, Yay. a product of Baltimore City public school system. Proud of uh, um, alumni of that. Polly, shout out to Polly. Also, was a professor at Morgan. So, shout out to Morgan, all my bears out there, uh, all that. So, the thing that I want to also shout out to Hopkins, all that, all the places I've been. So, the thing that that I do today is I run uh, an engineering technology a cyber innovations group where we look at What's the next generation technology and capabilities that's needed? I have a group of about roughly a thousand folks across the mm. world who uh, are looking at this capabilities, looking at the talent, look at what our customers need, look at what the nation needs. And we're in, in all the skills that they have, we have right here in Baltimore City, we have in the listeners on this radio station. 
And when we talk about STEM, that's where we want to go. We want to have make sure that these kids are prepared to do that. So Lockheed is how large? Lockheed Martin is about 110,000 employee business, worldwide, global, global security uh, business. It's also one of the, the largest uh, aerospace and defense businesses in, in the world. So what does that mean when you talk about aerospace? So I'm talking about things that fly, like planes, fly. things that fly, that has a person or not a person can fly without a person. A lot of people understand drones and how things are happening now. But, you know, you don't need a person. It deals with materials. It deals with things that float, things that fly, things that are on the ground, things that you can control, all of those things. So what made you decide? How did you get into this place? You know, little country boy from Baltimore, <laughs> east side, uh, right? Right, right, right? I'm right. from the east side of South Bend. <laughs> okay, but that's right. how do you get from the east side of Baltimore going to Poly? What, what was happening in your head for you to think about now running all these systems and traveling the world? I mean, yeah. it's amazing, right? It's, it's fantastic. So I, I certainly have to give the shout out to my big sister, Terry. I know she's listening. Great. But I went to Poly because of Terry. Terry was uh, Terry went to Poly. Poly was an engineer in high school, so I went there, and that's where I learned about perseverance, achievement, those things, th some of the fundamental principles. And then I realized in myself that I could do it. I had the encouragement of my parents, encouragement of my family, and uh, and it was at that point I knew that I could be an engineer. And then I just kept going and went to to Johns Hopkins, and uh, got a scholarship there from a from a, a Baltimore family gave me a scholarship to go to Hopkins, the Einoffs. And that's how it all started. And after that, I never turned around. I knew that I wanted to be a professor. There wasn't a lot of African-American professors. And so I wanted to do that. And that's why I went on and got a PhD and kept it going. So was there somebody that you actually worked with in school? I mean, did you have a mentor, quote unquote? I had a, quite a number of mentors. I think first my, my mentors start at home with my parents. Uh, my mom and pop, they're listening. Uh, that started with them, certainly started with my sister. And then started with my friends. I have a lot of friends that I went to to Roland Park with who are who were there for me. And then I had professors at the, at the schools I went to that really helped me. And one of my, my greatest uh, mentors was my advisor for my doctorate degree, Pete Water, mm -hmm. one of the smartest men I've ever met. And, and he helped me always learn to question mm. and question and learn. Oh, question. That's right. A lot always of people question. are afraid to ask questions. They are. And, you know, you you get lost in the madness. There's so mm -hmm. much moving around you. How is it possible for you to learn and grow if you don't, you're don't questioning. Question. If you don't ask the question, if you don't understand, you know, sometimes people look at me <laughs> like that because I'll say, wait, what? What is that? I don't know what that means. How you spell that? I don't know that word. But that's how you learn. That's how you learn. You got to be humble to learn. Ooh, and ooh, you, say that one more time. You have to be humble to learn. Oh, I got I, the bell ring. Yeah, right, that's good. That's real. That's all right. You because your pride comes before a fall. That, oh, that look out! Look Boop. out now! Boop. 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 Yeah. Right? Tell them that's right. That's right. <clears throat> and, and so you have to be able to jump out here. Now, you're going to be with us all day. So let's yeah, sit I'm hanging down. Out with you. You're going to hang out. And I love that because we've been hanging out on the phone. <laughs> that's right. Weeks. So on the line on hold, I think we have Carl Eric Fonville. So you're General Motors. What do you do with General Motors? Oh, I'm in engineering here at the Texas and more in Michigan. Um, my field is computer-aided engineering, and I work primarily on what's done with sound, glamorous, assembly and sealing, um, but we have to assemble vehicles and everything has to feel, so that's what we have to keep uh, an eye on. 
we do a lot of that here in the engineering building. So you're with General Motors. How long have you been with General Motors? Oh, it's been over 30 years. 30 years. Wow. Wow. How did you even get there? How did you, you've been doing some amazing things for the last 30 years. What brought you to this place? Well, actually, I'm, I was interviewed and turned down the job, but the guy called me back and offered me the job a second time. What was the job? For doing engineering at General Motors. I enjoy it a lot now. Been here a long time and have a very good career at it. But what, wait a minute, what? So, did you grow up in Detroit and you saw cars and that's how you got to General Motors? What got you excited about engineering and working on all these systems? No, I actually grew up in California. What part? Albany, which is next to Berkeley, California. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, that was a party central back in the day. But you don't, you know, right back in the day. <laughs> did back you take things day. apart? Did you take things apart when you were uh, younger around Berkeley? Oh. I took things apart all the time, but I was able to put them back together. What were you taking apart? And how old uh, were you? Electronics. Oh, started at an early age, taking knobs off of doors in the kitchen when I could find a screwdriver. That <laughs> was two. But, wow. So is that something that your parents actually paid attention to and talked to you about? No. My parents uh, went to college, but engineering was my own choice. And they encouraged it. Um, I went to the University of Michigan, which is how I got back into Michigan. Mm-hmm. My father, my father went to the University of Michigan also, so that was one of my schools of choice. And I took on engineering and undergraduate and graduate degrees in engineering. Mm-hmm. So, so now you're out in Michigan. There are a lot of things that are going on out there, and you decided to stay for 30 years. What was it that General Motors in that manufacturing and that development and design area made you decide to stay as long as you did? What is it that somebody, a young person coming in, how do they look at the positions that they think they're interested in, or how do they start preparing themselves to move in a direction that you did for 30 years? To prepare yourself, of course, mathematics is the key. Um, and the ability to handle high-speed problem changes. Because here in automotive, we produce new vehicles annually. So there's a new vehicle program every year. Every few months, there's a new vehicle coming out. So things move very fast here. Um, So there's a lot of opportunity here for you to influence the design to have a say in how things go forward. And when you see your product rolling down the street, you say, I have something on that vehicle. Right. That works. Yeah. There's a lot of pride there. So I see my results on the road every day. That's beautiful. Well, listen, we want to thank you very much, Carl Eric Fonville. And we want to thank you for all that you do. And we hope that we see you in February 13th through the 15th at the uh, Marriott in Washington, D.C. And we know that um, as an awardee of the Black, the Black Engineer of the Year Awards, you are a stellar person. So thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. I want to say to the people, I heard it earlier, I want to say that a lot of young people should come to the conference 
there are going to be thousands of people coming to this conference, uh, young people attending this, so it's going to be a very happening event. Uh, anybody who can make it, I encourage you to attend. Outstanding. Thank you so much. All right. So up next, we have Matt Bowman, who is the chief of staff for Stars and Stripes, which is an amazing program that's part of the Black Engineer of the Year Awards Conference. Um, He runs the committee and he has been doing a stellar job. But, you know, as a as his own right, he has flown jets for the Navy and is an entrepreneur. We have uh, Vice Admiral Davis, who's a retired fire pilot and co-founder of Nexus Incubator, Brigadier General Velma, oh, wait a minute, uh, Velma Von Richardson, Army Pioneer, and IT, uh, this thing is, this is why you have to have it really written down, uh, Army Pioneer and IT Executive, Mr. Jesse McCurdy, he's a SES, and that's an executive within the uh, government at the very highest level, and he's a pioneering engineer. So, Matt Bowman, this whole segment now, we're going to go from one to the other of these amazing people who've been doing some incredible work and laying the foundation, and a lot of them have created history. How you doing, Matt? So, Marcia, I'm doing great. Uh, It's an honor to be here. We're excited about BEA 2020, and uh, we got a great lineup of leaders to talk about STEM and and how to get young people into the engineering space. Right. Well, thank you. So we have up first our Vice Admiral Davis. He's the National Chairperson of BEA Stars and Stripes and co-founder of Ivanexis, a large California tech incubator. How you doing, Admiral? Good morning, Marsha. How you doing? So do you want to tell us what's the mission of the Stars and Stripes? Great. Well, we'll tie on, because you know you were part of this for a long time. And um, we're, the mil- we're the military part of that brought into to it, not the Tabarn, not the Tyrone Tabarn. Years ago said, if you can showcase engineers, youth will want to be an engineer. And uh, we find out that works. This is Academy Award for engineers. The engineers get up and get to tell their story. And then we find that youth hear that and they now know that uh, like to do the same thing and see that they can do the same thing. So the uh, Stars and Stripes has our own little program inside that, that where we try to go get the, get, bring this to youth as early as we can. Mm-hmm. We try to get to the schools, get to the youth, and uh, and early in their in their education, and uh, show them the the value of a STEM education. Right, and it's critical in today's environment. Would you say so? Well, not only so it's a double. You're right. It's double value because uh, not only are these exciting careers, which when students actually get into it and understand it. They love it, but it is critical to our nation today. Mm-hmm. We need engineers. We need that kind of talent, uh, STEM talent, is uh, 
very much in need. But we also need minority businesses in STEM as well. And it looks like the Stars and Stripes have been focusing on this Ivonexus incubator. Could you talk to us about that? I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is my other passion. But it's uh, it's really about uh, first you once you uh, understand a little bit about STEM and you decide on a STEM career and you get into it and you say, well, uh, and you're working for a big company like the young fellow was before the General Motors you had on here a little bit earlier. Uh, then they start getting some ideas of their own and say, why don't why don't I have my own company? And so that's what we do here at Evo Nexus. This is about uh, letting young entrepreneurs find problems they can solve and and have the opportunity to solve it and have their own company. So now in this incubator environment, how do you help build them? I mean, you have the mentoring program, but what other um, surrounding wraparound services do you have over there? Oh, well, it's everything. It's from, in other words, we walk them through when they come, when we um, select them into our incubator, they're usually here for about two years. So we, we help them all the way through. The first thing, of course, you have to do if you're working on a product, you want to build a, some sort of model of that product that you can show and show it has value. So we help them with that part. Once you get that done, then you usually have to go out and get some uh, dollars to to be able to hire employees and, and uh, that sort of thing. So we help them with that also. Mm-hmm. So we here we here to walk them through all the way. Sometimes we'll have people come in who are very experienced in this, and they don't they need help in certain areas. And sometimes we'll have folks right out of school who who uh, come in and don't have any experience with this. Right. I'll give you one little example. We had a we had a young fellow and was in college, and he was worried about the the noise next door his roommates were making. So he came up with a little advice to shut that noise out. <laughs> and right. I love so, it. Uh, he didn't know a thing, but he's not even finished with college. He's just midway through college. And uh, came over and showed us what he had in mind. And to make a long story short, he ended up uh, being able to sell that business to Bose. And now it's uh, part of the mm. headphones you can buy. And it's it's finding that need and being creative and allowing, I call it, Admiral, I call it letting your brain breathe, right? So that you can just imagine the impossible and the possible. That's right. So it's a real advantage to some, uh, you know, if you're at a place where there are lots of problems, mm-hmm. then uh, you see those problems and sometimes you can figure out a solution to them. Absolutely. So now this whole national security imperative of STEM, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, where are we right now? I know we've got a lot of issues that are going on and, you know, security is real critical. And a lot of people are trying to figure out their path and what they should do. How do you think they can be assisted? Well, you know, security is is, uh, such a broad term, but it's basically just protecting information. And you've got that information in lots of different uh, forms. 
number one. And then uh, now that we have the internet, we're using it for so many reasons in the house. You have so many ways that people can get into it. You know, you you think you have a nice secure net, and then someone then you decide one day to go out and buy one of these little security cameras on put on the outside of your house, and then find out, oh, that bad guy can come in through the security camera. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's that kind of environment we're in uh, at a lower level, and you can imagine what that might look like at a, at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Admiral. I think that um, it, I'm understanding that Brigadier General Velma Richardson's with us. She's retired information technology system um, executive. Um, and we want to talk to her about leadership and mentoring with Lieutenant General Bruce Crawford on the Bay of the Year 2020. General, how you doing? Uh, Marsha, I'm doing great, and it's great to be connected with you again. I know. It's wonderful. Uh, Admiral Davis, are you going to stick around with us for a minute? I'm going to bow out now and let you uh, have a nice conversation with her. You'll find it exciting. Thank you, Admiral, but I'm going to look forward to seeing you in February. Thank you. All right. General, how have you been? You've been doing amazing things, not only within the services, but now that you're retired, you're just as busy as ever. Can you Uh, talk about women? Sometimes it feels that way. Right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I... um, uh, I am doing my best to stay uh, engaged uh, to the extent uh, that I can. Uh, and, of course, Bea and the Stars and Stripes event certainly gives me that opportunity to do so. Um, but if I can get back to, um, to General Crawford, General Crawford, some 25 years ago, worked for me when he was a captain. Are you He's kidding? now a three-star general. Oh, my yes. goodness. Uh, and it was clear then uh, to me that he had great potential. Mm-hmm. And so we've stayed in contact during uh, that complete time period. And as we came up to, um, uh, as he took on the job of, of being the CIO and G6 for the, for the Army, uh, I thought it would be very appropriate to at least nominate him uh, to be <laughs> Uh, the Black Engineer of the Year, uh, and uh, and having done so, and having had him him uh, you know be selected as the Black Engineer of the Year for 2020, I am just so proud of him because I know he's going to be a wonderful uh, ambassador for uh, for STEM, a wonderful ambassador for the Army, a wonderful ambassador for BEA, for Stars and Stripes. He's just gonna gonna take us to to the next level. Uh, as so many of our Black Engineer of the Years uh, uh, do. Uh, so, again, I am just really, really proud of him. But it really it's about building, to me, it's about building the bench. And so we're looking not just at him, but, uh, you know, folks further on, uh, on down the line to make sure that they continue to have uh, successful careers in the, uh, in the STEM area. As well as uh, I'm working with a, uh, a number of students from my hometown in South Carolina. Uh, I'm going to I'm sponsoring them uh, to come to the Bayer Conference uh, to keep them interested in STEM. Two of them want to be uh, chemical engineers. Mm. Uh, one wants to be a pediatrician, 
and the other wants to be uh, a graphic design artist. So, uh, so you know, it's just uh, it when you find folks who already have the interest, it's it is actually pretty easy. But but because they will have that experience and exposure, I'm expecting that there will be others, it, you know, at their schools that will uh, that will also uh, maybe have a gain an interest in STEM and, and those areas. And, you know, so, uh, so Jim, I'm really looking forward to it. I, and it's really important. And I need to really say this. Um, I don't want people to take lightly the winners of all of these awards. That is an arduous, time consuming deliberation between the top professionals around the world that go into sequestered, they're sequestered for a couple of days reading these amazing packages. And out from that, I mean, they have to vote, they argue and determine the things that are really critical to get those top nominations. And so I just wanted to say that because I've seen those go through and it. I respect the process. Dr. Tyrone Taborn is adamant about how delicate we must be about each one of those packages and the information that's included. But there's also something that I know that's very dear to your heart. And how do we get women of color more involved in technology and taking up the reins? I mean, we're still focused and, and have the capacity. What do you think we should be doing about growing women in technology? Uh, well, first of all, I, I think exposure is, is, is very key. Um, and especially for our young women of color, uh, we have folks like Linda Gooden and Marsha Malone and Stephanie Hill from Lockheed Martin and then uh, Brigadier General retired Belinda Pinkman. All of these women have been very successful in this area. And it's that, that kind of exposure and hopefully that kind of connection that we can make with some of our, our, our young folks so that they know what's in the realm of the possible. And un unfortunately, so often, uh, a number of our young women of color, uh, you start talking about engineering, you start talking about math, you start talking about science, and when you use those words specifically, uh, it, it kind of scares them away. Uh, but I, I try to, uh, uh, to make sure that they understand that Everything we do in life, uh, from the telephone to uh, to the bar soap you use, <laughs> whatever the case may be, right. has something to do with one of those areas, or in some cases, a number of those areas. And so, you know, it's uh, it's about uh, kind of breaking it down, making sure that they have an understanding that they should. There's no reason. To, to veer away from that, to be afraid of it, but uh, but that it's uh, it's it's an important area of life. Mm -hmm. Well, General, are you going to be at the Black Engineer of the Year Awards Conference for Stars and Stripes? Oh, absolutely! You know, I I took over from you to do the seating for Stars and Stripes, uh -oh. and, and <laughs> girl, so you know the headaches we have with that. Uh, but uh, but nonetheless, uh, we uh, we're expecting I think uh, a, a big crowd, probably twelve fourteen hundred as usual uh, for the dinner, and uh, just uh, a tremendous 
presentation by the Marine Corps. They are our feature service uh, this year, and uh, and they've been on top of things. So, oh, I, nice. I, and, and I'm going to make sure that my students get to see all of that, so they they have. Uh, the exposure that they need to have. And that whole night is amazing. All these African-American military personnel and their dress clothes coming and walking across the stage. And oh, <laughs> it is amazing. I get so tickled. It's so, you know, you don't see that. We always, you know, the negative that you see of everything in the news and to just see this power and to see these people who've been leaders in their community and moving the process. I, we have so much to celebrate as a people and particularly in our armed forces protecting this nation. And it's just wonderful to see so many of us doing so much and at the highest levels and on the ground. So thank you, ma'am, for your service. Uh, well, thank you for for having us on and, and letting us talk a little bit about Stars and Stripes and Bea, uh, because I hope your listening audience uh, will take note and we'll come out and, and become a part of it. Thank you so much, General Richardson. We appreciate you. Thank you. Our next guest is Jesse McCurdy, who is a senior executive SES and from the Naval Department. And so are we here? Do we have SES McCurdy? Yes, I'm on. Hi, how are yes, you? Hello, how are you doing? Great. Can we talk about SES and how you got there and what that means and what you've been doing with the Navy? Oh, sure. Um, well, I'm a graduate of Howard University in electrical engineer, engineering many, many years ago. And um, as a result of me having that degree and then going on to do some other studies, uh, but primarily that degree, uh, I I was able to attain a, a position right after graduation as a an electrical engineer mm. for a uh, private company, and we worked on uh, various uh, uh, test equipment, designing test equipment, and also testing for uh, testing certain systems within some of our uh, Air Force airplanes at the time. I worked uh, in for 10 years in private industries at about three or uh, four different companies. Which ones? And, uh, well, I worked for, first, I started off at Emerson Electric. Uh, uh, I worked for Vitro Laboratories. I worked for automated Automation Industries. And uh, then I worked for Bader, which, is a, uh, which was a contractor for the Department of the Navy doing research. Uh, on naval uh, ship systems. Mm -hmm. um, when I, uh, as a result of working for, for Vader, I uh, was able to uh, apply and, and, and really working for Vader, I actually worked on site uh, for the Naval Air Systems Command, which is the command that's responsible for the design and development of all of the Navy aircraft. Huh. So as a result of working there uh, as a contractor, I was able to uh, secure a position with the government. And uh, from there, I, uh, after about um, 10 or 15 years with the government, going through all of the GS grades, I competed for a senior executive position. And uh, I didn't get the first one. Okay. But I, I kept... Uh, Persevere. I, I, 
Yeah, I kept going and I kept uh, getting a, a more experience. The second time I competed, competed, uh, I was able to get uh, the senior executive position within the Naval Air Systems Command. Hmm. And uh, as a result, I rose to be the uh, uh, deputy systems uh, uh, engineer for uh, uh, research and development for the Naval Air Systems Command, having about 10,000 engineers working for me. That, <laughs> wait a minute, say that one more time. How many? 10,000. <laughs> 10,000 engineers yep. work for you. So you're the top yep. engineer at the Naval Systems, right? That's correct. That's exactly Wow. Correct. And so and we, these engineers, these engineers were all over the country. Mm-hmm. So when you look back on your life and if you had it to do all over again, because this is massive, the, the, who even knows that you could follow a track like that, right? But it's it's that STEM concept that gets you there because that's where the jobs are, right? But what that would be correct. three things that you would do differently if you could? If I could, I guess uh, three things. Uh, one of the things I would do would be to um, uh, continue my uh, my education and get a uh, maybe two master's degrees. In what? Uh, yeah, and uh, it, it, it's important to understand um, management because uh, as you rise in in um, in companies or within the government, you you rise out of the the, the important jobs are really in uh, managing projects and managing people. Okay. So you have to understand how to do those two things uh, in order to. Uh, succeed and in order to rise to the executive position in the company or in the uh, uh, in the government, but that's that's having your base engineering degree though. You got to have a technical degree. Uh, yeah, you should have a technical degree to get a get a good job. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess the the other thing would be to uh, 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 I probably would would have diversified myself. A little bit more in uh, in some of the positions that I could have um, uh, could have attained. I got a little bit comfortable there for a while, and uh, and uh, and so I did end up getting the experience that I needed. Right. But uh, it, it's always good to have a diverse experience in um, you know in in your field. I don't care what is engineering or it could be other fields. Mm -hmm. And not only diverse experience in the technical aspect, but diverse experience in, in leading in leading people. I like that. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the third would be uh, to, to really, um, uh, as, I'm, as, I'm, as you come up through the ranks, to, uh, uh, to bring people along, to bring other young, young folks, spend more time with young people, Having them understand the the need uh, to go to college, having them understand the different um, fields that are out there for them to go into, and that STEM is one of the uh, more dominant fields. The pay is very good, and uh, and so I'll just spend more time uh, really dealing with with young people, mm. and that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> so I guess I'm getting that on the tail. I'm doing that on the tail that's end. That's all right. Of my, uh, 
That's all right. My, my, my life, you know. But yeah. you're doing it. That's the piece. Yes, that's I the am. most important. Yes. You're doing it. I, and we need more people like you. And that's why the Stars and Stripes are so important because they do. And, you know, last year I went in and that room was packed with young cadets and young people. They were yeah. in that big old room. I mean, it was wall <laughs> to wall. But the yeah. information that is being distributed, we're not going to get that anywhere. You know, and around right. the country, we're closing schools and children are not getting the education that's really need for this century. Right. right. We're in it right. now. And right. so how do we right. how do we do that? And and people have to reach out and do that. And, and we appreciate Stars and Stripes and all of all of the men and women in the services that have supported this because it's critical and it's critical right. from the mission of developing a future and the legacy for our people. Absolutely. Well, one of the uh, that, that big room that you talk about where uh, all of the students are and it's four or five hundred students and uh, and then they break up and go to uh, different rooms. Uh, during this conference, uh, which is, is, is this year is February 14th, uh, Valentine's Day, mm -hmm. but the students break up and go to different uh, rooms, and in those rooms they sit around the table with senior uh, military and uh, and government uh, officials, and uh, the officials the, the the officials introduce themselves and take questions from the from the students. Right. And um, and the, the students, it's kind of like speed mentoring. Uh, the students will will be with a group of uh, five executives and then they'll move on to another group of five executives for a period of about two hours. That's so outstanding. That's, a, that's, that's huge. That is outstanding. Now, that's huge. That off, there's, there's an offshoot from that that came about about six years ago, six, seven years ago that's called uh, sustained mentoring program mm. and what we what we found was that uh, uh, we would leave the we would leave after those two hours of, of mentoring there at the conference during the conference um, we would leave and we wouldn't see students again for you know for a year so what we started doing was going asking schools uh, uh, if we could come in and mentor a small group of kids who needed mentoring needed to be kind of nudged a little bit okay. for about an hour every month. So we've established ourselves into five schools. We're getting ready to go into six schools, and uh, we have expanded as, as as much as we can as long as we have mentors. All right, now, the mentors are senior executives and military people. Listen, I could listen to you all day, and we we we've just gone past the time, and I and I oh, love sorry. it. No, uh, uh, no, 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 no. That whole mentoring piece is huge. It's huge. And Career Communications Group, who is the founder of the Black Engineer of the Year Awards Conference, is is committed to that and the committed to the growth and the development of our children. So you all are right in that sweet spot. But we've got to go. We've got another interview we're doing a uh, this is a speed dating kind of interview today because we've been going from one to the other but you know i get so excited i don't even want to go to the next person because i'm still there's still i got 12 more questions each one charles johnson basin over here look at me laugh and make a little note and say you get off the phone girl all right so i gotta go but we'll okay. see you next february all right february sir. 14th martha february 14th yes sir yeah. friday february 14th
Jesse McCurdy, SCS. Boy, this is like that was the Stars and Stripes segment. And those guys really just amazed me. And I think we have a couple of people on hold, but I'm not sure who they are. Hello. Hi, Ms. Marsha. This oh. is Lara Suarez. How are you? Hello. How you doing? Good. I'm glad to hear well, that you're you. still there. Good. So, <laughs> I know we, we this has been a long segment, but it's wonderful. Could you it's please... It's a wonderful discussion, absolutely. Ha, isn't it wonderful? So tell us about you and your company and what you've been doing. Sure. So my name is Lara Suarez. I am a principal cyber operations engineer at the MITRE Corporation which is a not-for-profit company that operates several federally funded research and development centers. I support the National Security Engineering Center, and I manage technical and, and also a part of several technical teams that um, really focus on a number of initiatives supporting that center. So I, a lot of my work spans from cyber threat intelligence to uh, cybersecurity and uh, system security engineering, all the way to cyber operations for defensive and offensive effects. Okay, that's a lot. So let's break it. <laughs> let's start from the beginning. How did you even find all of these areas of interest? You know, I mean, you you've gone from military, police, space op. How do you how did you find all of this? Uh, to be honest with you, STEM really a STEM career really wasn't uh, in my my view okay. as a high school student. Um, I I was very dead set on wanting to do something in law enforcement. I was also dead set on joining the military. So I received a four year scholarship uh, to go through the ROTC program and became a commissioned officer in the military police. Um, uh, branch, and then I was afforded an opportunity to uh, serve in a different functional area as a space operations officer, and that's what really propelled me on a STEM career. I realized that I absolutely loved aerospace, and then when I uh, entered into the public and private arena with Booz Allen Hamilton, I realized that there was a serious intersection between uh, space and cyber. And so I propelled my career, shifted it to become a cyber subject matter expert, and did a number of space initiatives where um, focused on technical advancements and defense of our space assets. Okay. Cyber security, but then you've done added a couple of layers there how did did. we get to yes you did yeah (laughs) that's that was interesting so what made you make this transition and how did you see the transition to make it into this other bringing this other layer of specialty so what what's fascinating is within cyber there's a number of different areas you can you can really dive into you can dive into the IT and building infrastructure you could dive into the cybersecurity aspect of ensuring that infrastructure is secure you could also do a number of different things where you're making sure that it's secure from threat so the threat perspective was very interesting to me um, I truly enjoy understanding uh, the perspective of what that threat might look like um, what that threat is today what it might look like in the future and how we can develop systems that would mitigate against those threats. Mm-hmm. So that was that was an area I really wanted to get involved in, and, and uh, I had an opportunity to do that. Um, later on, it's really understanding, particularly for space systems, is we're in a contested environment, so how do we operate within that te- contested environment when that, that becomes an right. issue? 
and how do we sustain ourselves, uh, be, become resilient, and that's incorporating a lot of defensive technical aspects that we need and, and ensuring that we have operate, cyber defensive operators on the floor with our space operators so that we can we can make that happen. Well, you know, it's really funny, Laura, because uh, Charles Johnson Bay is in here from Lockheed, and he, as you're sitting there talking, he's nodding his head. He's just <laughs> nodding his head, nodding his head. So those are clearly important issues that we need to be dealing with, right? Yeah, they, they certainly are. And, and, you know, when she talks about how do we stay resilient, that is the thing. How do we continue to do what we need to do in spite of other folks that's trying to stop us from doing, from doing what we need to do, like yeah. voting. But anyway, all right, Laura, we got to go. We got a couple more people, but thank you. I hope we're going to see you next month at the Black Engineer of the Year Awards. Yes, I will be there. Thank and you, you the you're a winner. And so we're really excited to learn more about yes, that, ma'am. about your accomplishments. Thank you so much. Great, thank you. All right. Take care. And I think we have one more guest on the air. Yes, Marsha, this is Dorian. How are you? Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. How are, is everything going well with you? <laughs> I, well, you know, we, I'm moving fast. I'm glad I, I drank my coffee this morning to keep up with my tennis shoes. So I'll keep it up with you all. <laughs> so you're from the Department of Energy. Can you talk about your title and what you're doing and what's happening at the Department of Energy? Well, yes. Um, actually, um, this is something that um, probably I, your listeners may not be aware of, but kind of the Department of Energy, a lot of the mission the Department of Energy has, they use um, what they call joint ventures between various companies that actually support those joint ventures. I work with Huntington Ingalls Industries, which is in a joint venture with BWXT Technologies, and we are supporting the Los Alamos Legacy Cleanup Contract. And the that wait, company wait, what? Is, the what? <laughs> it's the Los Alamos Legacy Cleanup Contract. It's um and the company we have is actually um called Newport News Nuclear uh, BWXT, which is N three B, which does the work. Okay. That sounds like a submarine or something. It it probably does because actually uh, Newport News um, shipbuilding, which is also a subsidiary of um HII is the um, build is the um, world's um, we build all the aircraft carriers and submarines for the United States Navy. And that's kind of how we got into the nuclear business here doing the work for the Department of Energy. Don't you think don't you like that? I knew that that there were submarines over there. I mean, really? That's kind of yeah, cool. That was, I, I was very impressed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. OK, I got a couple more of those. But okay. tell us how that impacts us as a people, as a nation. What what's that critical piece there? Okay. The critical piece for what we do here is um, the Los Alamos Legacy Cleanup Contract is actually um, dispositioning the waste that came from nuclear weapons um, production uh, during the early period from the 50s up to roughly uh, the late 70s, early 80s, uh, actually up to the 90s. And um, so we're dispositioning that waste. We're helping clean up the environment here in uh, the Los Alamos and northern New Mexico area. And part of what I do in order to support that contract is I actually do workforce development, and we've developed apprenticeship programs to uh, to take local northern New Mexico talent and allow them to be able to find uh, um, positions that can help us to disposition that waste. Outstanding. And so that's really personal. And so, uh, Charles Johnson Bay says that I should ask you about the other national labs that the Department of Energy runs and that they do have a lot of jobs. See, he knows about y'all, too. 
Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, there, <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a lot of work, and um, there's both. Um, there are two departments for the Department of Energy. They have the um, Environmental Management um, Department, which does a lot of the kind of the cleanup work that I'm talking about, uh, cleaning up the environment. And they have the um, National um, the um, National Nuclear Security Agency, which actually does more of the weapons production work. And those labs, uh, which are positioned all over the country, um, there's some down in South Carolina. I'm up in um, Washington, but a lot of work, a lot of um, a lot of um, STEM production that's coming out of those labs, and a lot of opportunity there. All right, listen, thank you so much, Dorian Newton. We really appreciate you, and we're going to look forward to seeing you. And congratulations on your award. And we'll see you February 13th through the 15th in Washington D.C. at the Marriott on Connecticut Avenue for the Black Engineer of the Year Awards Conference, hashtag BEA.org. Oh, I guess it's not that. I just said that wrong. It's hashtag BEA2020. And if you want to register and attend all of this career fair, you need to go there because they are looking for people who have melanin in their skin. And it is at bea dot org to register for the career fair and there's no charge so i expect to see that place full of people thank you so much all right thank you all right i don't know if we have anybody else on the phone we have somebody else hello hello and with whom are we speaking chris jones hi chris jones thank you so much for waiting how you doing I'm good. How are you? I am good. So tell us about yourself and your title and your company and what you've been doing. Okay. So I uh, recently retired mm-hmm. from Northrop Grumman. Northrop. And yeah. So I was the uh, president of the technology services sector. What does that and mean? What's a technology it, service sector? Yeah. So what we do, it's about 15,000 men and women located in all 50 states and 22 countries around the world, and we provide security for defense customers, so Department of Defense, Department of State, Department of Homeland Security. We support NASA and foreign military, so we provide logistics and maintenance of aircraft. We perform IT support, defense of IT networks, cyber networks, a lot of training, a lot of deployed operations. We have men and women in Afghanistan, Iraq, and other places around the globe. We operate aircraft. We operate systems and software. We develop software and applications, and we have a large amount of engineering support for all of those customers. That's a lot. I mean, like, really, that's mind-boggling. And, you know, people don't really know that these jobs exist. And so if, if, if we don't even understand, how do you think people can get in? How do we – the people who are listening here today – they don't know, and I don't know what you were just talking about, for real. How do we get our community focused on the possibilities that you just discussed in working there yeah. in developing a career? Yeah, so I, I think there's a couple ways, and that's a, that's a valid point. Um, so, if you, so, so I think there's a couple things. So I think all of us that are in these senior p- positions have an obligation right, to pull folks forward. None of us were born to be able to handle, you know, what I just described. So I think it starts with the folks that are like me in place. So one-on-one mentoring, recruiting, sponsorship, talking, and, and you covered a lot of that with the previous callers. 
I think companies as well have a bit of an obligation for community outreach and Northrop Grumman and, and all the companies that, that were represented here do a decent job of that. And then we have folks like uh, Tyrone Taborn and Bea who have an important role to play as well. So in my view of this, um, I, I look at global competitiveness and the U.S., for example, doesn't generate enough technical folks to fill the job. So when I retired, I had you know, 500 openings, the company maybe had 1,500 to 2,000 of technical openings. So I think all the work that's being done um, by Bea, just to get the word out. So the mentoring, the, everything you talked about, mm-hmm. you just need to press forward. There's been a lot of progress, but a lot more to go. Chris Jones, thank you. Because, you know, the way that you laid it out made my head hurt. And it made my head hurt because the possibilities are so huge for that could change people's lives just by focusing on STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And you and everybody else that's been on this show today is why Tyrone, Dr. Tyrone Taborn created Career Communications Group, the Black Engineer and Information Technology Magazine, the Black Engineer of the Year Awards Conference, the Women of Color Technology Awards Conference, the Technology Awareness Program, to deploy this information and provide this information to our community, to children and their parents and their neighbors and their relatives to share in looking at how we can change people's lives. And we appreciate you today. Thank you very much. And like I said, Ty's done a great job. Um, If you look at our country now in technology, we're not generating enough folks to propel the nation forward. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But part of the reasons is we're not including a wide enough swath of the population. So You're we right. We talked a bit about, about women in particular of all categories, you know, people of color, you know, and disadvantaged economically. For whatever it is, we're not generating enough. So, I mean, to me, it's one of the strategic risks and uh, strategic enablers for I our agree. nation. And being in defense, you know, we provide <laughs> yes. defense and security umbrella for the entire free world. Yeah. Um, so what you're doing is, you know, Ty, it's affecting history. It is. So I, so I appreciate the call, the opportunity and what you're doing, even on the radio show. If one or two people decide to go in the STEM field because you held this uh, speed dating, it's worth it. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm so glad that you were able to get on and spend the time. And I don't think we have anybody else in the queue, sir. Is that right? All right. Well, I'm Marcia Jews. I was sitting in for Donnie Glover. We've got Charles Johnson Bay from Lockheed here, Dr. Charles Johnson Bay, who's been with us all day. He's from Baltimore, from East Baltimore, Polly. And we are glad that you heard us today. We want you to get over to D.C., but go to BEY.org, register, go to the career fair, look around learn and tell this story to your children and anybody within the sound of your voice. I'm Marcia Jews, and I approve this message. Have a good one for Career Communications, BEA.org, hashtag BEA 2020. Thank you.